turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 11 as we continue our study through the Gospel of John. John chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verses 17 to 44. You'll find that on page 1063 if you're using a pew Bible in front of you. John chapter 11, we'll be starting with verse 17. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The word of the Lord. This, this story is one of the more well-known stories in the Gospel of John. 
And as we prepare to get into what the word of the Lord has to say, I want us to make sure that we're, we're mindful of the events that have preceded. If you recall a couple Sundays ago, uh, we talked about how Jesus had declared that he and the Father were one, and the Jews were seeking to stone him for claiming to be God. And, and during that, he, he went away from Jerusalem. And is at this time that he was away that his friend, Lazarus, became gravely ill. And as, as Pete talked about last Sunday, uh, Mary and Martha, the, the sisters of Lazarus, three people that Jesus loved and that loved Jesus, you know, they sent for help. They sent for Jesus to come heal Lazarus. But as, as Pete taught us, Jesus deliberately waited, waited to make sure that Lazarus would be dead. In fact, Jesus said in the beginning of chapter 11 that he was glad, literally, that he rejoiced that Lazarus died. And, and as we, we, we studied last Sunday, this was because of Jesus' love, that actually his delay was an act of love so that it might lead to his glory being revealed and people believing in him. I want us to keep that in mind as we now look at the rest of the story. That Jesus' perspective on this is completely different from everyone else. That his viewpoint is not the same as what we're going to see of everyone else. And that that is going to be our through line for today. We're going to be looking at how Martha and and Mary and the mourners, how they understood the events that had happened in contrast with how Jesus understood the events that had happened. We're going to be comparing how Mary and Martha and the mourners considered Jesus' absence and Jesus' role in connection with the death of their brother, comparing that with how Jesus sees himself and his role in connection with the death of his brother. So I'd like to do that first. I'd like to look at Martha and then Mary and then the mourners. I'd like to look at their perspective first, if you will. And so let us, let us begin with Martha. Let's look at what we we see with Martha, starting with, you know, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Uh, A behavior here that's sort of very... um, familiar with Martha and Mary. Martha is always a bit of the more assertive one. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. These are the words of Martha. This is what Martha is feeling. And and maybe it's helpful if we we think about what these words don't say. First of all, Martha is not rebuking Jesus. She isn't saying to Jesus, 
you know, you know, you know why weren't you here? Shame on you, Jesus. This isn't a rebuke. If, if it was a rebuke, we wouldn't hear the next statement of, of, of trust and, and faith of Jesus. This isn't a rebuke. She's simply stating what she knows. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Also, the, the, the statement here of, but I know that the Father will give you whatever you ask. This isn't a statement that anticipates what Jesus is about to do. Martha is not saying, I think you can call my brother from the grave. That's not what this statement indicates. In fact, as we read, remember, it's Martha. It's Martha when Jesus says, you know, remove the stone away. It's Martha that says, you don't want to do that, Jesus, because he's been dead for four days. That, that Martha says, you can do whatever God asked, that doesn't go to the extent of raising Lazarus from the grave. That, that's not what she's embracing there. I think what Martha is doing is, is she's just holding on. She's holding on as best as she can to the situation. Jesus, I know you could have stopped this. I've seen you stop things. I know you could have stopped this, but you didn't. But I'm not going to stop following you. I think she's just holding on. Now, we, we get this, right? We, we know this. I understand this. When, when a disaster happens or a calamity occurs or, you know, the, an illness or economic ruin or the death of a loved one, where we want to say, Lord, I know you could have stopped it. I know you could have. I don't know why you didn't. I'm not going to stop believing not going to stop. It's your ways are not my ways. I know it's your will. I don't understand it, but I know it. I'm not going to stop. Where we're just, we're just holding on. And that's the best that we can do. This is Martha. She's just holding on. There was a problem that Jesus could have fixed. The death of her brother didn't have to happen in her mind. There was a problem that he could have fixed, and he didn't. Now let's look at Mary. So we're going to skip over Jesus' response. I'm going to come back to that. And then I want us to go down to verse 28. And after she, Martha, had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is Mary. Mary had been mourning. Mary had not left the house. 
She had been surrounded by mourners. Now, now understand, these mourners probably were friends. They probably were family. But they probably were also um, groups of individuals that were just committed to help mourn with people. There was in this culture really almost a professional mourner who um, would, out of love, sort of come and, and grieve with a family member. And that's probably part of the people who are here. And, and Mary, you know, hears of Jesus coming and runs out there, runs out there and says the same thing her sister said. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, a, a really a great statement of, of some faith. I mean, she believed Jesus could have stopped it. Out of love for her brother, she sent for Jesus to come. And she says what her sister says, Lord, if you had only been here. Now, I, I don't think her faith is less than Martha. I don't think her trust of Jesus is less. Just because she doesn't say, I know that whatever you ask, you know, God will give you. Just because Mary doesn't say that, I don't think we should read too much into it. Remember, she fell at his knees. A great confessional behavior, a great act of devotion. This is Mary, who we know from what John tells us, will be the one who will open the perfume over Jesus, who will wipe his feet with her hair. Just notice the situation is different. You know, she's emotional. She's weeping. The, the crowd that is with her is weeping. And, and just because Jesus doesn't follow up with the same type of conversation isn't some sort of you know, indicator to Mary that she's you know, not quite as strong in her belief as Martha. The situation is different. So the conversation goes a bit different. But Mary wanted to know Wanted to know. She was sitting there. She said, I know you could have. I know you could have done this. You could have stopped it. I had a problem. The problem was my brother was dying. You were nearby. We sent for you. You didn't come. I know you could have stopped this. I don't think she's rebuking. I think she's just pouring out a broken, sorrow-filled heart. I know you could have stopped. Now let's look at the mourners. Let's look at what, how, how they respond. When Jesus saw her weeping, verse 33, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. Then the Jews, these mourners, said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? See how he loved him. They, they see Jesus weeping. They see him, they see him crying. And, and they, they assume, and I think mistakenly so, assume he is weeping for the very same reasons they are. They, they think Jesus is uh, moved to weep out of uh, love for the dearly departed. 
you know, perhaps out of love for the suffering, you know, and the compassion he has, you know, because the, the, the sisters are so broken and, and his compassion, his empathy, his sympathy is, is for them. Or, or you know, they, they may think he's weeping just because death is such an awful thing. They think Jesus is weeping for the same reasons they are. And, and as I'm going to talk about in a minute, I, I think they're quite mistaken at why Jesus is weeping. But they look and they say, wow, he loved him. So why didn't he come? He would heal a blind man, someone he didn't even know, a stranger, would come up to him and and beg for mercy, beg for healing, and Jesus would give it. Yet here was a man that Jesus loved, and he did not come. Couldn't he have done it? I don't think they're being snarky. I don't think they're, you know, being sarcastic. I think they're just stating what they see to be the problem. The problem was Lazarus was critically ill, and Jesus didn't fix the problem. Three times, three times Jesus is approached with the same thing. Three times Martha, Mary, And then the mourners come to Jesus with the same. You could have fixed this if you'd have been here. You could have fixed it. Three times he's presented with what they think is the problem. That the brother was going to die. Three times Jesus responds. And with each response... We see Jesus' perspective is different. They thought the problem, they thought the problem was he didn't get there in time. That wasn't the problem. That wasn't why Jesus, uh, you know, came. He didn't come to fix that problem. Remember, he deliberately waited to make sure Lazarus was good and dead. The problem, they thought, was he didn't get there. The true problem, the true crisis, the real problem was the shallowness and the incomplete nature of their faith, of their understanding of who Christ is. The problem that Jesus, out of love, wants to fix was they didn't see him as the one who was with the Father. They didn't see him as God. They thought Jesus' ability to sort of control and direct a situation ended when the person died. They didn't understand that death was not the master over Jesus. They wanted great physician. He wants to say resurrection and the life. That was the problem. The problem wasn't that Lazarus died. The problem was they didn't believe who Jesus is. And this is what he came to show them. So let's look at Jesus' response. We'll start with his response to Martha. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I I know that even now... God will give you whatever you ask. 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, Martha is referencing here a belief that many first century Jews had that on the last day of history, on the great final day, Right? There would be this uh, resurrection of all the faithful Jews. All those who had faithfully followed and believed in God would, would be resurrected on the last day. That's what, that's what she's referencing. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You know, much the same way we comfort one another. Right? When, when, when we say, you will see your, your loved one again. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection, and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Martha, Martha can only see the death of her brother. And is holding on that there will come a day that she might see him again. Jesus wants to tell her so much more. Martha is saying, oh, I wanted the great physician. And Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection isn't something that's going to happen to a nation at the end of history. The resurrection is something that happened to Jesus in the middle of history. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? He wants to take the, the, the small, shallow nature of their faith, a faith strong enough to call for Jesus, but not strong enough to see that he is beyond and over death. He wants to take that and say, I want you to see me so much more. I want to be more than just the man who could stop her death. I want you to see me as the one who is the resurrection And the life. Do you believe this? He is the resurrection and the life in every way possible. First, in his own history, Jesus died, was buried, and walked out of that grave. This we believe. This we hold on to. That in the middle of history, there was a man who died, was buried. And walked out of the grave. That Jesus is the resurrected one. That Jesus is the alive one. This is one of the foundations of our faith. That Jesus rose again on the third day. He is the resurrection and the life. And and his own story speaks to that. Uh, You know, sometimes I, I dampen that truth. Sometimes it doesn't come from my lips when it should. Why do you go to church? You know, I like to meet with people. I like to, you know, have friends there. I like to come together and, 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 you know, we're encouraged. Why do you go to church? Because he is alive. Why, Why do you, you know, have your kids in Sunday school? Well, the friendships are important. I think they need some religious and spiritual training. It helps build character. Why do you have your kids go to Sunday school? Because Jesus is alive. Why do you read the Bible? Because Jesus is alive. 
Why do you pray? Because Jesus is alive. Let that be your answer to every question. Why do you live the life you live? Because Jesus is alive. Why do you repent of your sins? Because Jesus is alive. Let that be the answer to every question. Because that is the answer to every question. He is the resurrection and the life. That is why we are here. Because Jesus is alive. He's the resurrection and the life in every way. First, his own story. Second, as as the resurrected one, as the alive one, it it is his power, his authority to decide and determine eternal life. Those who believe in him will be given eternal life. There there will be a moment for each of us when we die. There will be a moment when we die, when we we finish the days that we have walked, the days assigned to us on this earth. And, And on that day, we will either enjoy the resurrected life. We will either rise Like on wings of eagles, when he calls our name, we will come into his presence and enjoy the resurrected life forever unto eternity. Or we will weep and gnash our teeth under the unrelenting judgment of God for all eternity. He is the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in him, when, when that great day, that great getting up morning comes, when, when you stand before your Lord, you stand into the welcoming presence of his resurrected life. Paul says, if there is no resurrection, we are to be most pitied. Every day unto eternity will be the resurrection and the life for those who believe, for those who are his That even though they die, they shall live. He's the resurrection life. Do you believe this? And he, he is it in every way. Third, he is the resurrection and the life today. Today, the life that that you live. The life that you live today in Christ is his resurrected life. When that beautiful moment, when, when you realize, when, when, when God reveals to you that you are a sinner, that you are just full of sin, that beautiful moment when you realize that Christ died and rose again so that you may step out of the, the shame and the shroud of the death of your old life and into the new creation, you step in to a resurrected life. Your resurrected life with Christ begins at that moment. And that makes all the difference. The old is gone. The new has come. It is a new creation. And it doesn't matter any of of the old. What, What lies you told, what tempers you had, what violence you did, what marriages you destroyed, what families you wrecked, what substances you abused. The old is gone. The new has come. 
You are a new creation. Paul puts it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. The life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God. It is Christ who lives in me. That is the resurrected life. That is who you are. That is, who, that is what defines you. If you are in Christ, if you are walking in Christ, you are walking in the splendor of the alive one. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Everything else pales in comparison. Who you are in a family pales in comparison. Your vocation pales in comparison. The size of your bank account pales in comparison. Your politics pale in comparison. Nothing is as glorious as knowing him and the power of his resurrection. So walk in it. Live it. Think about it. Pray with it. Enjoy it. Do do not become overwhelmed. Be comforted. There is nothing that can separate you from the resurrection and the life. This is what Jesus wanted them to know. Their, their faith, the faith of Martha, the faith of Mary, the faith of the mourners. You know, you know, this is what he's telling to them. This is what he's saying to me. This is what he's saying to you. That I am so much more than the great physician. That I can do what only God can do. I can speak life. I can take what was dead and quicken it. I can call what isn't into being what is. Jesus and the Father are one. And this is what he came. This is why he rejoiced that Lazarus had died. Because if he had gotten there in time to fix what they thought the problem was, he would have just looked like the great physician. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Their their faith, their faith needed this revelation and, and, you know, and, and as Jesus responded to Martha, you know, and then he responds to Mary. And, and, you know, and, as, and when, when he, it says you know, in, in verse 33 that he was deeply moved in the spirit when, and troubled when he sees you know, Mary weeping and, and, and the Jews weeping. And this, this word that's, that we translate, rightly translate, deeply moved, it, it doesn't... It doesn't mean, the Greek word behind it doesn't mean grief and emotion. It actually is the word most often used, in fact, only used in the New Testament to convey an emotion that spurred rebuke, an anger emotion that gave you know, life to a stern rebuke. When Jesus says here, when it says that he was deeply moved, it isn't deeply moved in the sense of grieving over the lost one. It's deeply moved in indignation and anger. He sees that they still don't believe. They don't recognize that he is the resurrection and the life. And, and that, that he, he, he angrily weeps. This is, this is the same Jesus, right, who Jerusalem will lament, will lament that they have rejected him and then also give judgment woes upon them. He weeps, but it's not the weeping that we think it is. It's a weeping of indignation and sorrow that they have yet to fully believe that he and the Father are one. 
I think parents are uniquely positioned, especially parents of, of, of um, you know, teenagers and, and adult children, to understand this. That weeping that occurs also in anger. Where you are so, so stricken by what your child and the choices that they have made. And you're angry that they have made those choices. And you weep because they have made those choices. This is his weeping. This is, this is his troubled spirit. But Jesus' angered weeping does not end with him walking away. It ends with Lazarus walking out. Jesus does not abandon them to the smallness and the shallow nature of their belief. Remember, it was out of love that he waited to come. It is out of love so that they wouldn't remain with just the great physician, but would come to see I am the resurrection and the life. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, I always felt bad for Lazarus a bit. I'm sure he didn't want to come back. You know? Why would he have to die again? I'm sure he didn't want to come back. But Jesus did this not for the benefit of Lazarus. And he didn't do this to reunite a family. He didn't do this so that Mary and Martha could no longer have to grieve the loss of their brother. That's not why he did it. He didn't call Lazarus from the grave so that there could be a, a wondrous family reunion. That's not what his love was moving towards. He did this to provide a visual picture, a, a clear demonstration that he is the resurrection and the life, that he can do what only God can do. And should be worshipped as such. I love verse 40. Then Jesus said. Did I not tell you that if you believed. You would see the glory of God. You know the gospel of John has been moving us towards this. As I was working on. And I'll, and I'll finish with this. As I was working on this passage. There were words that kept coming to mind as I was thinking about Jesus declaring, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? There were words that kept coming to mind. As, as Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. There were words that kept coming to mind. Did I not tell you you would see the glory of God? In the beginning was the Word, 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you believe this? Lord, you are the resurrection and the life. Everything else is but death. You are the resurrection and the life. Help us, help me, help, help each of us come to know you and the power of your resurrection. Help each of us answer the question because Jesus is alive. Because you are the resurrection and the life. The life that we live in you is because you walked out of the grave. The life that we will live and enjoy in eternity in the rooms that you have prepared for us is because you walked out of the grave. Lord, unmake me. Unmake us. Whatever we are holding on to, whatever we are giving the, the primacy of position, whatever we are saying, that is my life. Whatever idol that we are clinging to and defining, Lord, unmake us so that we may say you are the resurrection and the life. That when you look at us and and, and you you ask us, just as you asked Martha, do you believe this? We will fall upon our knees and say glory to you, the one who is alive. Lord, I'm so thankful that you waited until Lazarus had died. I'm so thankful that it was not your will that we just know you as great physician, but that we know you as the resurrection and the life. It is in your name, the name of Jesus, the risen one, the name of God, that I pray. Amen.